on Sagittarian Matters, a story about a kitten in danger, a tempeh recipe, boundary advice, and more with my guest, Zaria Sion. Stay tuned. Hello from Los Angeles. Sagittarian Matters is back after our short summer break, and we are very, very, very happy to see you. Just kidding, we cannot see you. This week, we have some advice. We have advice about butches. We have advice about text processing. We have a story about a kitten in great danger. We have a recipe. We have some top 10 things. But first, I wanted to read you some very spirited reviews from the Omega Institute in upstate New York. This is the place where I go to attend Linda Berry's Writing the Unthinkable workshop. It's a week-long workshop held at a yoga colony called the Omega Institute. Um, This place was once a Yiddish camp from the 1920s till the 70s. Now it's a summer camp for adults who want to do yoga, meditation, tai chi, weird things like vortex healing, and then also the weirdos who come flock around Linda Berry to learn her writing exercises. Highly recommended. The thing about the Omega Institute is that you pay for your lodging and your food in one bundled sum. And they give you three meals a day. They have a mostly vegetarian cafeteria, and I find it to be delightful. I got everything I needed and more. But there's one thing I was looking for, which is how these reviews came up that I'm about to read you. There's a vegan brownie on site. It's at the cafeteria one day a week. It's at the cafe every other day of the week. It is a giant, moist, delicious, chewy brownie. It's not a dry cake. It's not boiled. It is delightful. And I was trying to find this recipe for you guys so I could share it with you. And in Googling Omega Institute vegan brownie, I found these reviews on TripAdvisor. I'm going to read just a couple of them. I just want you to know how upset omnivores are when they have to eat vegetarian food. They are so upset. Okay, two stars. Headline of the review, I did not feel welcome here. I am an omnivore and I felt extremely deprived here. They require you to pay up front to use their compound on top of the cost of your course fee. They're very friendly to the gluten-free vegetarian, and vegan lifestyles, but not at all welcoming to omnivores. Although I had to pay to eat here, I didn't eat here. I found other, more accepting places to eat. (laughs) Okay, the next one. I'm going to skip one that's called, the headline is, Well Orchestrated Con. (laughs) But I will read you one more, and the headline is, Awful Room. This is why, this has the word vegan brownie in the end, which is why this came up. After reviewing their website and reviews online, I was so excited for my trip here. But then we checked in, and after a long walk, we finally made it to our small room with no TV, an uncomfortable bed with two thin pillows, ceiling fan, and plug-in fan, no AC, large dingy-looking sink, stand-up shower, dirty toilet bowl, and only one tiny soap to use when washing hands in the sink and for taking into the shower no washcloth, or any other toiletries available. There was no walking path to my room either, so at night, 
you are basically using your phone light to help guide your path around another building to get to your room. Needless to say, my husband and I were highly disappointed and even checked out earlier than anticipated. After spending only one night, we woke up very early, drank their awful coffee, and left as quickly as possible. The customer service desk didn't even inquire as to why we were checking out early. The only good thing about the whole trip was the vegan brownie in the cafe. From Kelly M. of Staten Island, New York. Thanks, Kelly M. Um, I do want to say the coffee was terrible in the cafeteria, and thus one was forced to buy coffee at the cafe. Uh, I The coffee was what Ali Liebegott would call the consistency of an anemic teardrop. It was like tea, and it was so upsetting and sad. But aside from that, the Omega Institute is a yoga colony. No wonder there's no TV. Anyway, my top 10 this month. Number one, Violife Aged Cheddar Slices. I think it's probably called aged just like cheddar slices. What I like about these is there's B12. They are delicious. They're a little bit funky. Don't get the regular cheddar slices. Get the aged cheddar. I've been eating them as a snack. It makes me feel very human. Number two, I want to tell you soy creamer is back at Trader Joe's. I have not seen it yet at the health food store, unfortunately, but the repackaged Wildwood soy creamer that is sold as Trader Joe's soy creamer is back in action, and I now have like a hoarder's fridge full of it from the time when it was scarce, scarce, sparse, and um, I can't seem to convince myself that it's not going away again, so that's good news. Um, I want to tell you how to make your own tempeh tuna salad. It couldn't be easier, my friends. Take your tempeh. Cut it up. Marinate your tempeh with a little bit of water, some brags or tamari or soy sauce, uh, something vinegary, just a little bit, just to balance that. Something a little sweet if you want like maple syrup. So I'm going to say like we got soy sauce, we have a little bit of apple cider vinegar, we have just a touch of maple syrup just for fun. Um, just enough of this liquid for you to moisten and let everything kind of sit I would add even a dash of liquid smoke if you have it around. Let your tempeh sit with this. Put it in the fridge. It wants to absorb. Then dump that whole kitten caboodle with the liquid into a pan. Simmer, simmer, simmer until the liquid's gone. Hopefully there's not that much liquid. And then you could take the tempeh out, wipe out the pan, add some olive oil, then fry the tempeh. So the tempeh, basically, you're absorbing all this stuff and you're opening the tempeh up so it's really gathering those flavors. Then, after it's so flavorful, then you're throwing it in a hot skillet with your olive oil or what have you and it's getting a little crispy. You're doing that until it's crispy. And then the thing I would do is I would chuck it in a bowl with some chopped green onions, some dill, fresh or not fresh, uh, I guess a little salt and pepper if you want. Let's say some nutritional yeast. Why not? And some veganaise. If you don't have veganaise or a vegan mayonnaise, you could do what I did the other day. I made my own vegan aioli. I Googled it. You can Google it, but basically it's just a lot of olive oil and garlic that you blend for a trillion years or with some lemon juice um, with your hand blender. Uh, I use that. And then you just mix it up, mix it up, mix it up, put it in the fridge, let it cool. And that's, that's your chicken salad, tuna salad, whatever whatever tempeh salad you want to call it. Um, it's yummy on a sandwich. It's yummy in a wrap. It's yummy on top of a salad. The dill and the mayonnaise and the green onions are kind of the linchpins here. Those are the keys to having a delicious chicken salad sandwich made of tempeh. Okay, 
the garlic aioli I talked to you about. It was pretty good. I wanted to eat all of it at once. There's also a kind they sell in the store. It's in a big white bottle. There's an old lady on the label. Get that one if you can find it. It's a little expensive, but it will last you a long time. I want to say I'm back into wraps. I never order them in public. I only make them at home. I will use my rice paper wrappers from salad rolls, and I will include non-Asian ingredients. So, you know, I'm used to a salad roll. You could put anything in a salad roll, right? It's traditionally like a Vietnamese thing. You also see it at Thai restaurants. You have your fresh herbs. You have your tofu. You have some carrots or daikon, your lettuce. You wrap it up. You dip it in peanut sauce. That's how we know the salad roll. Also known as a spring roll in some places, but not fried. Um, But I'm saying you could also put your lettuce, put your Violife aged, just like cheddar, cheese slice, put some of your tempeh salad in there with if you want to put some radish that's fun that's real fun you could even put that in your salad wrap it up you got a crunch you got a creamy part um you could even have that and then dip it in your leftover aioli which is what i did so i'm into wraps at home i would never get a wrap out in the world in general it's just not worth it and it's a very sad experience for a vegan i'm triggered by wraps. I'm triggered by a spinach wrap. I'm triggered by a soggy hummus wrap, but I think you already know that if you're a listener. Um, I want to tell you two things that are not related to each other. Number one is I refuse to pay $6 for dried plums, also known as prunes. I today had the opportunity to purchase approximately 16 dried plums for $6 from the health food store, but I had a feeling that they would have them at the drugstore next door for the senior citizens and so I got some next door for three dollars and I felt good about it uh the last thing I want to say which is not related to that is I am now a devotee of the squatty potty they are not a sponsor of the show don't I wish I heard about them on RuPaul's podcast what's the tea and um you know why not why not the last thing I want to say is an irritant the irritant is this a lot of podcasts also known as two podcasts really seem to get like a youthful boner by saying, let's dive into the DMs. And like people talking about DMs makes them sound so young and cool. And we do get direct messages on Instagram and Twitter about the podcast. But there's something to me, the podcast I'm thinking of are Loveline uh, with Dr. Not Dr. Drew, the other guy who's like more groovy. And then Alaska and Willem's podcast, Hot Goss. Everyone's always like, we're going to dive into the DMs. I just feel too old for that. I've never felt more like Sophia Petrillo than when I hear people over the age of 35 just crooning about their DMs. So please do send us your advice questions. Please do send us your tips and tricks and whatever things you want to send us. But I'm Please don't slide them into our direct message mailbox. Please just send them. And then we're just, I'm not going to dive into that mailbox. I'm just going to read them. All right. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to the podcast and enjoy our new fall episode. Recently, a long-term friend and I had a text exchange that resulted in her having hurt feelings and taking offense to something that I thought would be a benign question of clarification.
She is someone who I have felt very challenged by over the many years of our friendship, but never felt comfortable expressing my challenges despite her expressing her challenges with me and us working through it. For whatever reason, my clarifying question provoked her feeling defensive. Her reaction, despite my best effort of trying to gently explain where I was coming from, has brought up many issues that I've been harboring for a long time. I clearly have unchecked resentment about our dynamic, and all of it came bubbling up in this moment. When she and I began our friendship, I was a very different person, and now that I have more tools boundaries, and expectations with friends, I'm not sure how to update our connection and friendship. Thank you. Hello, listener. Thank you for entrusting me with your problem. Okay, my first question for you, why is this person in your life? You say you've known her a long time. If she's in your life because she's grandfathered in, I have news for you, which is that you probably have a lot of other grandfathers in your midst. Um, It can be nice to have familiarity. It can be nice to have people around who remind you that you existed before this moment. It can be nice to have people around who have seen you grow and change over time and can reflect that growth back at you instead of responding to an older version of you that doesn't feel correct anymore. And so I would look for those people. The way Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. I say, look for the other grandpas in the room. Who else has known you a long time? who can actually reflect back the positive work that you've done on yourself as you've aged, because they're there. I know they're there. They may not be like the coolest people in the room, but they're there. Um, And also when I ask why is this person in your life, just truly cost benefit analysis. What does she offer your life? Is she hilarious? Is she so smart? Is she the only person who will see a certain kind of movie with you? Okay, great. Maybe that's her spot. But if there's not actually a tangible something you get out of this relationship besides sorrow and woe, then I think it's okay to take a gentle step back and reassess. And when you assess or reassess any relationship, it's not something that should be served hot, right? Don't, don't think about this when you're, you're in the middle of a fight. Don't think about this when you're up to your gills with them and you're tired of them. Just... After the dust has settled on this recent altercation, just think about what is what are the really good parts about this person and is that enough? You have limited time on earth. It's okay for you to not give your time and energy to every person. You actually couldn't. Um, this person is taking up valuable real estate in your life that you could be spent doing something a little bit more positive. If she's not somebody who brings you joy, if she's someone who you just resent and you just collect resentments about. Whew. But if you look at this friendship and you think, I do want to stay friends with this person, you know, then I would ask you, would you like to be right? Or would you like to be happy? And then I would ask you the other question, which is, is this the hill you want to die on? Is the thing you were fighting or arguing about actually so important that you are willing to take this, take the whole relationship down for this one argument? Is this a place where you cannot bow out and say, I'm sorry? If it, If you can say sorry, say you're sorry. If you can find something to apologize for to keep your side of the street squeaky clean, I really recommend it because it sounds like you are responding to this person with some resentment behind what you were texting and it seems like that person picked up on it. And whether or not you feel like the exact words you said reflected that hostility or resentment, I think that they may have been there. So my other thing I want to say to you is, can you check your own resentment 
before it gets to a 10, before it gets into a red zone, before it turns into something that makes you resent her. This might just be her personality. This might just be the way she is. Can you deal with that? She may be doing things that she doesn't know are offensive to you. Your friend is not Kreskin. She is not a mind reader. She does not always know, especially via text, if she says something or gives unsolicited advice or whatever that bugs you. So it's up to you to say in a calm, reasonable, mature way, like, oh, that doesn't work for me. You know, you tell her a problem. She gives you advice that you don't want. You could say, oh, you know, I just needed someone to listen. I don't actually need feedback on that. And then she's like, oh, okay. And then she can think about it. And if she responds like a wild man and makes you feel bad for having a need, uh, that's a really great indication of whether or not you should have her in your life. How people respond to a boundary tells you a lot about them. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing, which is text processing. People, drop the rope. Don't pick up the rope. Somebody starts wilding out via text. You say something that hits them the wrong way or whatever. Drop the rope. Do not get in that fight. Do not get in that tug of war. Do not respond in kind. Do not let yourself be lured into text processing. Anything that's over a couple sentences, ugh. Text messages are a quick, casual way of of talking to each other, right? Sometimes things heat up and it goes out of that zone. If it goes out of that zone, call it. Pick up the telephone. If they don't answer, say, hey, I tried to call you. Uh, I don't don't want to text anymore because I'm afraid that my tone's not being read and I just want to make sure... Whatever, just just call them. And another option for that, if they don't pick up the phone because they're a millennial or whatever, you could Marco Polo them, which is a video chatting thing. Just don't text. There's no tone to it. It's inappropriate. If you want to write a therapy letter, write a goddamn therapy letter and send it via email or send it in the mail. You don't need to write a therapy letter via text message. It feels so weird and inappropriate and like out of pocket to get a text message that's 40 pages long. It makes me feel like something's become unhinged in that person or they felt like they needed to use the most immediate source of communication to say something that needs a little more space, that needs physical space, that needs breathing room, that needs, I need to be able to have the space to pause, think about my response and then respond in kind. I don't want someone's mania transmitted to me in an instant. You know, I think we all know people that have a quick trigger finger for Twitter, a quick trigger finger for texting. That's not helpful to anyone. It's especially not helpful to you. It's an easy way to say things you don't mean. It's an easy way to jump into fights that may not have been fights. If you've never seen it, there's a great Key and Peele sketch about texting where they just both are reading each other's messages so wrong. And uh, my advice to you is don't do it. Drop the rope, pick up the phone. Do not rise to the occasion of drama on the text message. Keegan's been texting me. Sorry, dude. Missed your texts. I assumed we'd meet at the bar. Whatever. I don't care. Sorry, dude. Missed your texts. I assumed we'd meet at the bar. Whatever, I don't care. Whatever, I don't care. The fuck is his problem? Do you even want to hang out? Do you even want to hang out? Oh, that's considerate. 
like I said, whatever. Like I said, whatever? Fuck this guy! Jesus, you are fucking priceless. Aww. You're the one who's fucking priceless? This... This motherfucker right here. Today's episode is brought to you by Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, Christy Herod, Catherine Tice, Art Dogs, Rachel Ann Jolie, and very, very special voice acting today was provided by OnTech at DuckDuck Studio on Instagram. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, Please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. Zarya Sion is a cat enthusiast, and that is the most important thing for you to know. She lives with her very well-cared-for cat, Madonna, in New York. Now please enjoy my talk with Zarya Sion. Zarya Sion, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you. It's great to be here. You're a cat enthusiast, and you had a real cat conundrum last month. Is it okay to name drop my organization as well? Go ahead. I'm also a founder, president, and CEO of an international cat group called Cat Club. Can you tell us about Cat Club? Cat Club is an exclusive club. It's been around for about 10 years, based out of New York, international now. Um, there's a few different chapters around the country. Um, I hand select each member. And to keep it democratic, and I, each member of the club uh, attends meetings at other people's houses, and it's essentially like the dog park for cats. So because we know that we can't often run into other people's cats when we're out living our daily lives, this is an, uh, an, it affords an opportunity for... Madonna! <laughs> Madonna! No! That's Zari's cat is scratching the couch while we're talking about Cat Club. She's just discovered the back of the couch. Um, so it just allows us to go to each other's houses and get to know our cat's birth stories and how, what, what they like, what their interests are. Generally, we don't end up petting any of them, but we usually have an activity, whether that's like Christmas stockings or holiday um, accoutrement for the, uh, our pets. We have made cat treats from scratch. We've... Um, there's been movies, short films some of our members have made about their cats that we've all watched and supported. We're there for each other when a cat passes on. So it's just a, it's a great group, and you um, have to also be interested in not only talking about your cat but hearing other, uh, about other people's cats in order to be part of the group, which you wouldn't think, but that eliminates 90% of the applicants. How can people apply to be in Cat Club and or can people make their own franchise? Uh, no, they can't apply and no, they can make their own franchise. I just, I don't know. I don't believe it'll be successful. <laughs> Why? Cause you're not involved. Yeah. 
It won't be recognized by the Cat Club International. No, no. It's like those Instagram accounts for celebrities that, like, when you get <laughs> followed a bird crumb trail to the to the page and you see it has five followers and two posts, you're just like, hmm. It was someone's idea. So essentially, you go around and you just admire other people's cats, talk about how great the cats are, pay them their due respect. Yeah, it's also a safe space to just constantly be talking about your cat and constantly post photos of your cat's if that wouldn't maybe go over well in your just like general community of friends and family, it's a safe space to just go insanely crazy. It, just to go crazy in there, but also it's a forum for just general questions through people uh, with people that you know you can trust what answers they're going to be giving. Like whether it's just like health related questions, behavioral questions. It, it's also like a very it's it's cat lovers to the umpteenth degree. Like we have members that have crocheted a bikini from the cat wool they have spun from their <laughs> Persian cat's hair clippings into a, yeah, a functional bikini. Is toxoplasmosis a controversial term in your group? I honestly, I swear to God, I've recently thought about putting that as my Instagram like title of like proud carrier of toxoplasmosis. <laughs> Sorry, I'm setting the scene here. So you are the head of Cat Club and you also are somebody who has a commute to work in New Jersey. So can you please tell us what happened last month on your commute? How those things tie in? No problem. Um, I was headed to work regular day. It was a Friday. We have summer Fridays at my corporate job. So we get out at 2.30. It's a thrilling day of the week. Gives us something to look forward to. Small, small things like that. Keep us going. And I was at work early that day, which never happens. Uh, I usually get there at like 8.01. This day I was getting pretty close to my job, about five minutes away, and then the clock just hit 7.50, and I was feeling pretty good. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to get a little extra work in, not going to be rushing. Um, I was going over this overpass, and this is on like a five-lane overpass in one direction and five-lane overpass in another direction. It goes over water. It's in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Very fast-paced driving. It is... It is a, it's a scary, it just feels scary. There's always an accident on there. Uh, anyone pulled over on the shoulder seems maybe like a psychopath. You're just like, what's, nobody should be around that area. So I was driving over the overpass and I, it's all gray, gray as far as the I can see. It's New Jersey. And I caught something out of the corner of my eye. Now, you know, those concrete dividers that are in the highways, they can also be moved if they're like trying to like change the direction of traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's essentially what the guardrails on the overpass were made of. It was just like a kind of three foot concrete kind of curved at the base and then goes straight up to about maybe two and a half feet off the ground. Yeah. That was, there's a permanent structure on the sides of the overpass. I don't, so I, I never really, I, I kind of look in that general direction for trash and whatever it's kitten season. So you always want to look and see if there's like a bag that's moving on the floor. Oh God. I know. It's a big thing right now of people throwing kittens out the windows uh, of highways. We can't even talk about that. Okay. Okay. Um, so I saw something at the corner of my eye on that little concrete divider looking like it was like, a, it looked like a, a stuffed, a, a beanie baby. It looked like a black and white beanie baby uh, going like kind of vertically walking up this concrete guardrail. And I was like, wow. I was like, is that a kitten? But I mean, I'm going like 55 miles an hour. And I just kind of glanced in my rear side mirror and I was like, was that a kitten or that? I was like, that can't be a kitten. That looks like a stuffed animal. Or if it was, it's something either dead or that's, it's a bag or it's like a stuffed animal that literally is like stuck to the guardrail because of the rain. 
something didn't feel right. <laughs> so I was like, God, am I going to do this right now? And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go back around and make sure that wasn't a kid. So I pulled off the, uh, in the overpass and tried to find my way back. I'd like never done this. So I like got off the exit and I like tried to find where I could get back on that, that kind of expressway from where I was. I go over it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull into the shoulder. I'm going to roll up kind of slow and I'm going to see if I can see it. And I hope I don't see it. I hope whatever it is just disappeared back to where it's from. Or if I, or stuffed animal, or even if it's there, it's already dead. Like I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do right now. If I find this thing. Yeah. I get closer, pull, I see the little black dot in the distance. I park my car on the shoulder. I get out. Um, Terrifying, by the way. This car's going so fast, driving past me. Very little room between the, my car side mirror and the traffic. I walk up and I'm like, oh my God, it's a mouse-sized cat curled into a goddamn bowl, ball, fetal position, halfway up this concrete divider, right where the angle kind of meets the vertical surface. It was just found that like one little ridge to f- sit and just basically curl, literally curl into a ball and die. Mm-hmm. And I was this like, "This is on the right hand side." This is on the right hand. Thank side. Thank God. Oh my God, please! I thought about that a million times. I imagine it was on the left hand side. No, thank God. Different. That would be a totally different task. And then I was like, "All right, well, I really don't want this thing to run into the road when it sees a giant coming up to it and reaching out and going to grab it in this like chaotic environment." And then I was like, "I'm going to just kind of go closer, see how it responds, and if it doesn't run, I'm going to reach out quickly and grab it." I don't know what I'm going to do from there. So then I got closer and it was crying, screaming when it made eye contact with me. It was (laughs) that (laughs) kittens kind of like do that, like really long, deep breath of air. I reached out and I grabbed it. It's little heart was beating so fucking fast. It was aggressively biting my (laughs) index finger so crazily but it couldn't break the skin because it's goddamn teeth were like at this point i don't know uh, tic tacs they're nothing yeah half a tic tac each one a blunt the rounded edge of a tic tac half of it and then um i was holding and i was like oh my god i don't want this thing to jump out if it jumped yeah it would die right away it's so small it would literally die the minute it hit the ground and i just like held it really really tight tighter than i wanted to i'm not comfortable grabbing animals like that but i just yeah. It had to be done for its own benefit. And then I was like, I have a tote bag in my car. What I should do is put this cat in a tote bag, tie up the top of the tote bag until I can figure out what's going on. Yeah. But then I felt scared that I would traumatize the animal. It just felt very wrong to think about taking a cat and stuffing it into a bag. Do you know what I mean? So you did something much better. Yeah, I did something so much better. I threw it in my car and sat on the passenger seat for about one second. Then it jumped onto the ground. Grand you, mind you... This exact circumstance has happened to my mother, also a cat fanatic, who when she's grabbed a kitten from the street, I knew this was a possibility and I accepted it as a possible turn of events. Yeah. This cat ran from underneath the, on the floor of the car, up into the dashboard. All I saw was a little tail disappear (laughs) into the dashboard of the car. I heard two loud meows and then silence. And I was like, okay, cool. I just killed the cat. It died. Can it get into the engine from here? I don't know. Is it electrocuted? Probably. was like, I'm going to floor it, get to my job as soon as possible, and just see if any of the cat people at my job can help me out. I pull up into the driveway. Fast forward. Cat isn't coming out. Can't hear it. 
Everyone's like, it must have run out. I'm like, not possible. Run out. It didn't run out. They're like, oh, it must have come out from the bottom of the car and just maybe ran out. And I'm like, that's not a thing either. I called a friend of mine who works at an auto body shop, and I guess there's something called a firewall, so there's no way for something to get from inside the glove box into the engine area. So that was a relief. However, it was going to be 95 degrees that day in New York, full humidity. That means inside of my car was going to be about 110 degrees. There was going to be a dead kitten in my car. This wasn't dealt with. Now I have a demanding job. There's no time for this. I had to go inside, start my computer, pretend that it was a normal day, knowing I have a kitten in my car. Uh, I went back in my car after five minutes. I put a bowl of water in there, cracked the windows, and was kind of like, I don't know, I can't figure this all out right now. It's like all happening so fast. Somebody from work kept yelling, I'm calling the fire department. I was like, please don't do that. They're just going to rip my car in half and not find a kitten. You have a pretty new car too. Pretty new. And, um, then I, well, my finger was bleeding. So then I, oh, for my little mouth, waking the skin. Finally got one bite in a good bite. So I was sitting in my car trying to figure out what the fuck to do. I took out the glove box. I took out some of the panels on the glove box, whatever I could get access to and take apart. I still couldn't find it. I was putting my cell phone under the glove compartment. I could videotaping. I couldn't see anything. Couldn't hear anything. And then my car alarm started going off, but I don't have a car alarm. Hmm. That was something that was when I knew something was up. Mm-hmm. Uh, horn kept going off repeatedly in my car when I was in it. And I went to turn my car on. It still didn't shut off. Mm. I went to unlock and lock my doors, put the car in drive, reverse, neutral. Nope. Just yeah. a car alarm. Okay. Honk, honk, honk. Real loud. Honk. Real loud. Real loud. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I drove out of the parking lot in a honking car, drove <laughs> onto the street, honking my way down in through Elizabeth, New Jersey, mm-hmm. pull into the auto body shop, which is always a welcoming environment for a woman. Yeah, of course. Uh, honking my way in there, park yeah. the car, shut it <laughs> off, honk, honk, honk. Everyone's staring at me as though I'm creating this situation voluntarily, <laughs> waiting for me to end it. Yeah. My big appearance, I've made my point. I was like, can someone disconnect my battery, please? And they were like, okay. Then it stopped weirdly. And I, I was like, okay, you guys, there's also another thing happening here where there's a kitten in the glove compartment. And they're like, a what? And I was like, there's a kitten in my glove compartment and a glove box. Glove, what is that called? Yeah. Dashboard. Dashboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my dashboard. Sorry about that. Uh, and they're like, well, we got to find it. And I was like, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Fast forward, I go to urgent care many hours later. Because of the kitten bite. Because of the kitten bite, went to urgent care, sat in the urgent care in Elizabeth, New Jersey for two hours, um, tried to tell the story to everyone who I could even get to say hello to me. Cause I was just <laughs> like, this is so high stress. I made the mistake of Googling kitten in dashboard. Oh no. Not good. Don't not good. It. Not good. Num- the top story, which was by the Dodo of people who had a very similar experience to me, had to total their car because they had to cut their car like apart in like five pieces and they just had to call it a chalk it up to a loss, which I did not have the luxury of doing. Because your car's pretty new. Pretty expensive. Still under lease. Nope. Not lease. Finance. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's financed. It's not leased. And um, aside from that, I need to get home at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. So if this kitten isn't found, I also have no way home. Mm-hmm. I also need my car to go to work. And in, in general, like I yeah. won't have a job. So I'm having like so much anxiety. It 
I'm, it felt actually insane. I was like, I don't want a kitten to die. I don't want to lose my car. I don't want, I just want this to have a happy ending. I feel deep regret for every decision I've made <laughs> except for grabbing the kitten. Right. And then, um, so I figured after a few hours, I come out of urgent care. Mind you, I stopped at the auto body shop on my way to urgent care because I left my wallet in my car. Everything was happening so quickly. So I got my wallet. I saw one of the like mechanic guys, literally my entire car was taken apart. The interior was on the floor. Um, a very unhappy looking man was, had like a kind of a video camera scope attached to some kind of like walkie talkie like device that was showing him what the little scope was like exploring in my dashboard. And I was like, did you find it yet? And he was like, no, and looked very unhappy. So I get out of urgent care. My coworker picks me up. I was like, let's stop by the auto body shop again and just see what the fuck is going on. Because if they didn't find this cat right now, I'm going to need somebody else to be there with me because I'm going to be so upset. Um, we get there. My car's put back together. The window's cracked. I was like, okay, well, that's sort of good, but no one's called me. So I have a feeling this was like an abandoned mission. And now I'm just going to be driving this car for the next week, wondering if there's an animal in here and also if it's dead. Mm -hmm. uh, I get in there. I walked into the auto body shop and I was like, did you find it? And they're just shaking their head and everyone's staring at me. And I was like, did you find the cat? And they're like, uh-huh. And I was like, they were like, it has eight lives now. Nah, really nah. clever group. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm like, did you find it? And the owner's like, yeah, we found her. And I was like, is she alive? And they were like, come and see. God, what the fuck? I go into the woman chamber, the one woman who works there, they lock in the back and put behind some <laughs> the only door in the entire uh, auto body shop. <laughs> I open the door and there's a woman in there. And on her desk is a cat carrier with the door open and a tiny one-pound kitten chowing down on a can of cat food. Oh, my God. Looking so cute. Kind of a messed up eye. They said she was... They found her by the airbag. And if she wanted to come out, she wouldn't have been able to. She, like, kind of traversed her way into an area that would have been, like, probably impossible for her to squeeze back out of. Um... The woman had gone home, gotten her cat's carrier and a ca can of her cat's food because she's a quote-unquote cat lover. And uh, I brought, I, I had my purchasing department go and grab a cat carrier from Walmart at Lund. I mean, um, when this happened, before I went to urgent care. So I grabbed her in the cat carrier and brought her to a person at my job's, um, back to my job, person at my job's office who offered to foster her for the next week. And I found her a permanent home with two wonderful people in my neighborhood who adore her. Her name is Pippi. She's still not even two pounds. She's extremely teeny tiny but she's a super friendly and super happy cat and it is a wonderful story it only cost me three hundred dollars oh three hundred dollars three fifty for them to take your car apart and put it back together yeah but they're all quote-unquote animal lovers there so they maybe would could have charged you more if they wanted to nope they pretty much charged me the highest you could probably charge somebody for four hours of labor oh that's so nice yeah but they're animal lovers this is a wonderful story what does she look like She's black and white. Mm -hmm. um, she has big ears and kind of bugged out eyes because she's uh, has no body fat on her whatsoever. She's got a very funny, spunky personality. She did have um, she's tested negative for all the horrible cat diseases that you could have, and she did have one little parasite that they just finally got rid of. And um, she's just really fun. She has a big brother now who's like a panther-sized cat that she has a lot of fun tormenting. And I think she's going to have like a wonderful long life. I call that, that bridge um, Pippi Crossing. 
because her name is Pippi. Yeah. So every time I drive over there, I think about her. And now I'm on like high alert, which I already were, was, but I'm definitely on high alert now um, on highways and uh, expressways to see if I can find um, an abandoned kitten. Oh my God. Uh, What's yeah. your advice for people if they see or find an abandoned kitten? Get, if you have a tote bag in your car, get it ready. Have a plan, rough plan in mind of what you're going to do if you do get that cat. If it's a larger size cat, be careful. And if it's a teeny tiny kitten like mine, just be prepared. Be as careful as possible. Try not to startle it as much as you can. Grab it. Get it in a tote bag. Get it in. I actually have a hatchback. And in retrospect, I was like, I could have put this cat in the trunk. Mm -hmm. So, because that's actually part of my car. But Mm -hmm. I had a like, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a kennel in a sense. So just go through your options right off the bat. Worst case scenario, just grab a cloth bag. Put that cat in there. Honestly, and then just head straight to a vet if that's something that happens to you. But I would say stop. Be careful when you stop. Don't put yourself in a dangerous situation. Don't get hit by a car while you're trying to do this. But um, it's absolutely worth it. I would think anyone I know would do what I did. But I'm kind of getting worried that maybe that's not true. People keep acting like this was such a courageous act. Well, I think that most people would be like, it was a beanie baby probably and keep going. Because they would want it to be a beanie baby. Yeah, because you'd be like, there's no way that that could be a living animal on that part of the median. No, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, how does she get there? It doesn't make any sense. It's not like a nature area. If she was thrown from a car, she'd be dead. Like, how'd she get there? It's a mystery. Yes. God's will. God's will. So, yeah, no, I mean, I have theories of how she got there, but we don't want this to take a downturn. We've had like a a happy ending on this podcast and it's not good, but you know, unfortunately right now there's like a lot of videos online of, of kittens being rescued on highways and expressways right now. It's shocking. So people keep your eyes peeled. Yes. Stay safe. Have a little plan. If you have a little carrier or a box in your car, how wonderful for you. If you don't, the tote bag is better than the kitten's other option. Which is either getting stuck in a dashboard or being dead on the side of the road. It's true. And since that uh, time, I got that little carrier we bought from Walmart, which is a collapsible kind of like $15, $20 uh, cat carrier. Yeah. I keep it in my trunk now. Great. And so, we, yeah. we just fed some stray cats the other night. Sometimes you keep cat food in your car. Yeah. And in winter, if you live in New York, not a great idea. It does freeze. You feel horribly guilty. So I would say if you're going to keep cat food in your car, even though wet food is better from them, better for them across the board, just keep some dry food in your car. It's less likely to give you problems in different kind of weather mm-hmm. situations. Wonderful. So, yeah. Sorry, my last question for you. Just an oddball question. Do you see a difference between cows and horses? Why do people uphold horses as a spiritual, majestic being, but not a cow? Is it sizeism? What is it? It's, um, it's uh, I think it's self-serving. Horses can offer them convenience the convenience that a cow doesn't offer people transportation cargo um getting from a to b war there's there's Mm. things a uh a horse offers a human being that a cow doesn't so they then deem a cow more or less worthless and a horse useful i see Mm -hmm. i see that's my theory thanks sorry thanks Thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for having me If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. 
bonus content. I got this question from a listener and I took it to our guest, Zari, via text message. Dear Sagittarian Matters, my question is, what advice would you have to find a butch slash masculine of center woman? That's my type and they seem so hard to find. I know they have to exist in my city, but where? I know to some degree that this is geographically related, which is probably a huge part of the problem, but in general, I'll take any advice because it's very frustrating. Signed, Frustrated in Fresno. Dear Fresno, uh, here's Zari's advice. Zari says, Tinder or OkCupid, no. Isn't that where you can judge superficially and examine what kind of bathing suit they wear? Uh, Nice. Zari also says, I would also suggest the gym or a CrossFit class, depending on if they're into an athletic type, or go to a women's softball game if they have a league. Not even joking. Sports is appealing to a lot of butches. Uh, Nicole here. I say... That the sports thing is true. Also, Dragon Boat. Friend to the show, Morgan, is part of a Dragon Boat team. And there are a ton of butches there. Um, I would also say volunteer at a place that serves animals or young girls or feminist organizations. Like the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, great place to find butch people. Any kind of organization that's about feminism, I feel you will find a few butches no matter what. I agree with Zari. Um, I would say if, if you're looking for younger people, I would go for a Tinder or a Bumble. I don't know anything about Hinge. If you're looking for older people, I would say OkCupid because they can use the desktop site. And uh, that's my best advice. Maybe not Craigslist. I always think a bar is the weirdest place to meet somebody to date unless you yourself would like to find recreation at a bar with them later on if you want to do other stuff like outdoorsy stuff look for outdoorsy clubs look for outdoorsy groups and kind of scope around there anyway thank you for your question and good luck in your search sagittarian matters is produced by chris sutton with assistance by ponyo george's our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.